The following is a podcast with my good friend Julian. Julian has for a long time worked in congressional offices and other governmental positions, and myself usually have been found working in the technology field. Uh, with these different viewpoints, we decided to sit down and have a conversation about some things that we've observed about the American consumerist market, as well as corporations, advertising, and things like that. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Hey, Julian. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Not too bad. Welcome to the podcast, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess we'll get right into it. I kind of already did like a little uh, intro thing, so the rest of this is just random conversation, I suppose. Okay, uh, so this is not like, I, I don't have to think of it as like a live thing, because you can cut out whatever you want, right? I mean, I don't plan to edit it because that sounds like a lot of work, but um, it's not currently being streamed anywhere. So Okay, but that's all I need to know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so uh, for the listeners, Julian works in Washington, D.C. Uh, with some, uh, what is it, the Republican Party, technically? Um, yeah, I mean, as of now, not really, but I've had very extensive experience the past, I'd say, four or five years in the Republican Party, and I mm-hmm. got an internship last year on the Hill for a congressman, and I worked for a congressman this year. I also worked for a Republican strategist uh, consulting firm, like lobbying firm out here, too. Mm-hmm. So I've been very, very deep into that world, yes. Yeah. So Julian's been around the block. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you anything that's like implicating. I just uh, I think it's it's helpful for context. Of course. Um, so do you would you say that you yourself identify as a Republican necessarily? Um, honestly, I think the more and more time has passed, the less that I have been. Um, just like throughout the people that I've met, mm-hmm. it's really, really like it started out as like uh, there's like a few issues that I disagree with. Obviously, like marijuana decriminalization, I've always been against that. When they had, I mean, the stance of uh, gay marriage has been slowly dying out with the Republican Party. But when that was a thing, I was always against that too. Um, but more and more issues have come, and then I've I've like just kind of realized, looking at my life, the friends that I've made seem to be more liberal, and I tend to like stay away from people that are Republican. So I kind of like took that context and was like, okay, this let's take a look at these issues of what I really think. And then that kind of like made my decision for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. That definitely, uh, that definitely makes sense, you know? And um, I feel like, you know, so much of it, at least for even in my own experience has been like, uh, you know, personality too. Like, I just don't think I'm very much of a conservative acting person. You know, I'm, I'm reserved in my own ways, I guess, but no, I'm not either. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. well, yeah, cool. All right. Well, um, first thing I was I kind of wrote down here since, um, we were talking, we, we spoke briefly before this and, um, I'll load up the, the notes that we kind of hacked around and, um, but yeah, so, you know, you thought it might be interesting to talk about American consumerism and generational mm-hmm. gaps between millennials mm-hmm. and boomers mm-hmm. and social inequality. And that's that's pretty interesting. And so, um, you know, for me, like, 
American consumerism has always kind of been this like provocative statement to kind of bring up. It seems like, you know, Mm -hmm. you'll get, you'll get people that are very much on one side or the other of the capitalist ideology where they'll say, yeah, you know, I, I personally think that being a capitalist enables this and that and nothing negative can come from it. And then, you know, obviously there's people on the other side of it that think right. capitalism is kind of the root of all evil. But, uh, but you know, as a, as a man who sees lobbying and legislation come through sometimes in favor of these objectively perceived evil corporations, how do you feel about American consumerism and capitalism? I think capitalism is a good idea, but I just think that the drawbacks and the poison that comes out of it with using it too much and um, because the center, like the root, the ideal that it doesn't have to be the government that supplies the funds. It's that it's the self-made individual that will put it in the marketplace and the marketplace will then take over and the product will be better based on competition. You know, no, no monopolies, you know, the, the, the corporations are the ideals. The corporations are supposed to, um, battle with themselves, making the best product that is the most affordable so that them themselves can make more business, spreading it out into everybody else. That's a great idea. That is what I think should happen. But um, America and its consumerism, I feel like with the poison, they've drank way too much of it. And at this point, it's like um, the whole idea of capitalism being a good thing is, is kind of saturated on itself. So in mm-hmm. briefly, just it's a really good idea, but I just think how we executed it was very shady. And I think that we're seeing the drawbacks from it right now. Cause in my eyes, everything is consumerism. Like I don't think there should be this many commercials. I don't think my phone, what I'm watching should be solely dictated on to sell me something. And mm-hmm. you're not only seeing this with TV, with YouTube, with any kind of video you watch, any streaming service subscriptions, it has to have ads, but now these ads are being curated. So, like the cons- the ideal like of consumerism is getting smarter and smarter and smarter as technology is improving and improving. So you can see that these ads are being curated by what you say, what you like, what you do. And to me, I think, like I said, the ideal is nice to like make it supposedly make it easier on you, but the window of privacy has gone down, and that's what I don't like about it. I don't like the fact that like I go on YouTube and there's an ad for something that I was talking about with my friend like a few weeks ago. Like that's not, I should go out and seek that, like Mm -hmm. leave some responsibility to the consumer, at least a little bit. But now we're just getting so used to it. And the fact that our president is a TV show reality host and that the news cycle itself is went from like three stations, ABC, NBC, CBS, back it was in the seventies to be completely satirized. Um, you can tell that it's all correlated. Everything's mm-hmm. correlated in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you know, on the other side in my area, since I know you work obviously in the hardcore legislative side and obviously me working in technology, it's right. definitely super interesting how, uh, you know, you'll get a lot of companies that'll justify it where they'll say, Oh, you know, we're just providing ease of buying things we're we're helping you find things that you like and they they claim oh well facebook is how are we going to pay all these engineers to build facebook Mm -hmm. how am i going to pay all these people to build google or anything like that when 
in actuality, really all that they're building is a targeted ad platform. They don't really provide much in the way of value, especially, in my opinion, from some of the parts of Facebook or uh, Instagram, even, you know, Instagram and a lot of those other social media apps. You know, it's, you know, some would argue that's a way to disseminate news, but I find that it gets so heavily skewed. I mean, we have to go and, uh, you know, so much of the responsibility to all of these services is crazy. And the more that I see it, the more I realize that I don't actually think it's, you know, necessarily doing anything on, you know, our side. But, um, yeah. Oh, can you uh, still hear me all right? Did I lose you there? All right, we'll be right back. Hey, sorry about those technical difficulties there. You're good. So, yeah, as we were talking about, um, you know, advertising and some of those other industries that have kind of given rise to this new era of social structure. And um, I think it's kind of interesting, yeah, how we were saying the, um, I guess, like, commercialization of people's data is particularly interesting and you know i guess i'm kind of curious you know where you've worked you know capitol hill and for congress people and all of that have you found that even they have found uh, taken to some of these services to reach their constituents in a more you know approachable manner um i mean in terms of advertisement for to reaching out to their constituents you gotta you gotta look at the voting population. You know, the voting population are people that are over 50, 55. Um, you know, the youth vote really is maybe around 18 to 20 percent um, of just youth. You know what I mean? Uh, and then the normal like voting participation rates are staggering about 40 to 35 percent during midterms and a little higher than that during election year probably about mm-hmm. 50 maybe um which is one of the lowest in the world uh, mm-hmm. voting population mm-hmm. so i think in terms of that uh they're very very behind just basis on that their voting population is old people so the best way to do that is going back to the roots which is send mail and send emails the, the really only campaign that I can think of that is really outreaching in that aspect is like Andrew Yang, mm-hmm. Bernie a little bit too, but Andrew yeah. Yang really is the first candidate I've seen that really is like honing that in. That is, it, it, he's in my eyes ahead of the game when it turns in, in comes of uh, how to outreach and his message and the way he's delivering it. Like I think his is like a, a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I do think I actually have noticed that a lot. And I think of all presidential candidates that have been kind of up and coming, he definitely seems the one who's most like meme aware, you know, he, mm-hmm. he, he kind of does these socially strange things like where he wears the hat that says math on it. And he has the pin mm-hmm. that says math on it. He's like, Oh, target the Asian guys that like math, just crazy stuff that you know people will pick up on and i think getting that young vote is really what would kind of push him into office but that's really surprising that um you know what you said about the voter population i really had no idea it was so you know so so dwarfed in comparison to the rest of the united states uh, population 
In terms of the youth voting? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tiny. It's very, very small. That's a, a huge misconception. People think that um, the youth vote a lot, even like when number. It's because the reason is, is because of the, the divide between the Internet and like what's actually going on, because there is a whole different world. Like you have to remember, there's mm-hmm. there's a good portion of Americans like 45, 50 and older that aren't on Reddit or I mean, like most of them are on Facebook, to be honest, but like they're <laughs> on the forefront of how we see news. So it may look like a lot of youth is voting just based on how they're advertising and where you see it. But in actuality, they're not. No, they, they they barely are. It's it's really like 55, 60 years old, which is why a lot of these issues that are being – that's why there's always this, like, divide. That's why there's always this, like, you're pushing against something because the voting population is so old. They're voting in these people with old ideals because they're targeting them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, look how long it's taken for weed to become decriminalized. It, it's taken forever. Like literally almost our entire lifetime. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now it's slowly starting to get in that. But if like, if the voting population, like our age was voting at the rates that the senior citizens were, that would have been passed a long, long time ago. That's super interesting. And it's something that I think a lot of people don't draw enough attention to, you know, cause you look at Snapchat and you look at Twitter and uh, mm-hmm. even Instagram, but Twitter, I'd say, is one of arguably the most uh, kind of most used platforms for disseminating ideas for youth besides Snapchat kind of. And yeah. their populations, though, of youth are pretty high, but not that high. And it's mostly amongst a certain class of people. So you get middle class, you know, you know, and then some lower class that are still, you know, you still have enough money to afford a smartphone, a data plan or a mm-hmm. computer, you yeah, know, and it's interesting. True that you're still segmenting out an entire section of the population. And I think it's so funny that I think even myself, honestly, up until now, really believe that, oh, well, so much of the youth is on Twitter. So much, so many people understand that these issues are issues. And right. clearly something should be done about it. And I think so many people want to point to corruption. But from what you're saying, and honestly, it makes sense. Like, I feel like not enough young people are just going and getting out there and voting in these things that they want and you know i think with older people it's like this they came out of what the cold war you know all you world know, war ii two impeachments they've been through now between nixon right. and clinton um i don't know if clinton was ever formally impeached but still they had a lot of suspect stuff going on and i think it's kind of funny that you know it, it makes sense that you know yeah they go out and vote and they see what they want and they vote for it and it's super interesting and people love to complain about it because you know corporations don't give a shit about the environment corporations don't give a shit about privacy and it bothers me to no end honestly and i can vote all i want but it is super interesting that all of these issues still just exist simply because of inaction people get these super lamenting uh ideas about uh, you know, society and the state of the world. And yet they see a very clear avenue to solve the problem. And it seems mm-hmm. like they just don't. Yep. It sounds really, really good on a, uh, you know, 140 character post <laughs> in, in actuality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not, right. if you're not willing to do the action and willing to put that stuff forward, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to become stagnant. So the, the only thing we can do is, you know, not to sound morbid, but wait for these boomers to die. And then when mm-hmm. they, you know, can't vote, then it'll be our turn. But we could we could make it faster than that. We really could. 
Yeah. Um, if we really, really wanted to, we, we easily could. And that's the thing that kind of bothers me. And it, it did bother me a long time when I first got into politics. And I mm-hmm. think now I'm kind of like accepting it. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because we really, really can do something about it if we, if we really, really want to. But it's, you know, like maybe one in a few people I meet are politically aware and even less are politically active. So, hmm. Yeah, you that's know, but it, it, mm-hmm. it's different now because I'm living in DC. Everybody's politically aware. Everybody's politically active. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it always seems like it has to be some type of grassroots movement, you know, to get anything going, especially from a political standpoint. Because you know, raising awareness, I think, is the biggest concern. You know, if all these youth aren't voting, but they're still concerned about the future, it's kind of a vicious cycle almost you know it i think it's yeah. the reason trump got you know elected you think about all these youth voters that and a lot of just regular adults that didn't like trump and all of a sudden you know nobody turned up to the polls mm. partially because they hated hillary which in my opinion i thought was yeah. dumb like hillary sucks don't get me wrong like yeah. but like it seems so much like if so many people think hillary's a war criminal what is up why would you not have vote, just voted for Bernie then in the prime, you know, to get him to be the Democratic candidate? It's kind of ridiculous. It doesn't, because it didn't matter, because the DNC had it locked down. It, it, honestly, he was more favored than Hillary was, clearly, by the polls. And, you know, if it would have been a fair and square vote, Bernie probably would have got the uh, nomination. But the fact of it was, is not only did you have the major donors who are the ones that decide who to give the superdelegates to, the major people of the DNC that have been in there for like 10, 15, 20 years that are going to decide who the, nom- uh, who the nominee is. Um, but the superdelegates, the fact that she, you know, think, think about this. Think about you're in a race, right? Mm-hmm. You're going on a mile run. You're going on a mile race with this guy. And before you even start the race, this guy is already two laps ahead of you. Mm. Now, how are you going to win? It's impossible. That's, that's what it was. That's that's how the DNC got it. So before the election even started, she already was two laps ahead of him. So Mm. he did the most he possibly could do, which he did a really, really good job. But he wasn't able to do it based on the fact that she was already locked in. So do you think then Biden is locked in for this year's election pretty much? No, I've heard from pretty reputable sources that the DNC is pushing back on Biden and going towards Warren but that's just based yeah. on what I hear on, on ear here mm-hmm. yeah um, I could see Warren I've heard some back and forth kind of stuff about her but at least she seems like an all right person you know Biden has kind of just been like consistently caught saying really dumb stuff for no reason it's kind of yeah funny. he's he's just old I mean that's it he's he's been in the Senate since the 70s 60s and 70s he's been a political candidate since our parents were born you know what i mean like he's uh he's been in it for a while and uh he is trying as much as he can to come up with new ideals and stuff like that but you just gotta remember he's really really old guy he's really really establishment like yeah i mean there's every almost every one of those major candidates is bernie's been in there since forever you know he was a vermont 
I think he was the he was a mayor of some like big city in a relatively big city in Vermont, and then he was in their Senate, their state Senate, and then he became a representative, and then he was a senator. And that was like seventies and eighties. Warren's been the same way. The only like few people that aren't are like the independent people that are running, yeah. like Tom Sire and Andrew Yang, and they're just businessmen that haven't been in there. But Biden is just he's just too old. You know what I mean? He's just um, he's. Mm-hmm having parts dementia like he's that's what happens when you get old um so yeah and but i have a interesting question so yeah we were talking we were talking about um basically progressivism we're talking about how you have this divide against like old versus new and you have these young people um trying to come up and i think out of any state in the u.s where it really is the youth that are like tying it together and that something that is new when i like think of like progressivism when i think of um a state that is really ahead of the curve i think of colorado mm-hmm. that's one of the first ones so what's your experience i guess living there for like the past few months and what you've seen in the change of attitudes because you're coming from michigan which michigan is a pretty usually uh in terms of like the House and the Senate, it's a red state. It's it's very old fashioned, old ideals. And now you're going into Denver, Colorado, or near Denver, which is like uh, one of the most progressive areas in the mm-hmm. in the country, besides like California. Yeah, and honestly, you know, it's it's interesting. I like it for sure. And you get so many of those ideas from that West Coast mentality, since people are so tired of getting screwed over with housing out there that, you know, Google, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. Amazon, all built offices in the Denver, Boulder area. And, you know, living in Boulder and quite honestly, being one of the few black people in Boulder it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting kind of seeing that perception uh, wrapped around because you get so there's so much new money in Boulder and so many of it. So much of it is uh, white people. Honestly, you know, you get a lot yeah, of yeah. white guys and girls in sure. Boulder, and it's so interesting because now it's like they they're very progressive. Don't get me wrong, but there's mm-hmm. almost like this tiptoeing around the fact that you're a black guy. That's kind of funny to like observe because nobody wants to offend you. Everybody always calls me brother which is insanity honestly you know really like the, all the white guys call you brother oh yeah it's like i go to a restaurant i talk to people and they're just like what's up brother i'm like dude please <laughs> oh, <my laughs> like gosh. you don't have to pander to my sensibilities as a black man. right yeah treat me like a person how about that it's so funny you know and i don't even think i necessarily look jive you know i wear flannels and jeans most of the days you know right, I, look, yeah. I look like every other dude in boulder colorado when i go to work and uh yeah it's so funny that there's just all of, and dude people here are pretty crazy though man a lot of grassroots grocery store chains people hate amazon you know people hate <laughs> facebook and google not because they came here and gentrified because boulder's been gentrified for three decades for while, you know? yeah but um they came they're just they hate it because they they're, everybody's progressive. Everybody's for privacy. It's really crazy. And a lot of these guys mm-hmm. are mega rich because they came from tech like Google, you know, they right. come over here, they start shoveling money into the economy. And, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, for instance, the company I work for, the dude he founded, or no, he was the CEO of Blockbuster, founded Ancestry.com, Home Advisor. Um, he was the CEO of Blockbuster? Yeah, right. And then he sold his, he sold his position or shares or whatever right before Netflix dropped. Because he knew it was going to go down. And then he was also, he also founded Boston Market and Einstein Brothers and like six, and he runs Pacific Dental Services in, you know, in the whole Pacific. 
northwest and southwest you know so he's dude's a bona fide billionaire and a genius and you know he's pretty he's pretty liberal and even for how religious he is which is pretty interesting you know you don't always see Mm -hmm. that and i think that that's something that's kind of funny there too is it's like well you get you know so much new money just shoveling into boulder and it's just unfortunately not black people or really people of color at all you know and as a black guy denver boulder you know really all you see of black people is homelessness and i think that that drives a negative perception really everywhere you see it where you know you say all the black kids in school act up the black kids in school are this the black people anywhere are usually the homeless ones and you know unfortunately it's a product of these crazy social systems that kind of screwed them over for so long Mm -hmm. you know now it's very very long yeah it's like and people don't Mm -hmm. and and people don't realize that these i mean even though shit is changing right and even though a lot more people are progressive like you're saying there's a lot of these built-in establishments um racist laws that are keeping minorities and especially african americans back i mean these things are structurally um in there and if you want to get to the root of the problem and start solving those you have to dig deeper than what's on the surface level and i think a lot of people are just looking at the surface level like oh we'll be nicer you know like do this we'll do that we'll you know post on instagram and all this stuff but you're not looking at what the actual problem is that there's systematically racist um, parts of our country, of the economy, of how business works. The, the business world itself is is very much like that. And, and until you, you get to that, you're really, really not solving the problem. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, there's so much of that um, just kind of everywhere. Um, it's so ingrained, too. I mean, honestly, I find myself even sometimes, you know, having like intrusive thoughts like that where, you know, you'll just make a quick one-off judgment about a person Mm -hmm. and then you'll find yourself completely wrong moments later and then you'll just feel like an asshole you know you feel like an asshole you're like damn you know i did not mean i didn't even realize i was doing this right you know society kind of burns it into you that this is the way that they behave and this is what they do and now it's like i feel uncomfortable sometimes you know i'm an engineer and i still sometimes Mm -hmm. get talked down to or things like that and i have to work extra hard just to prove right. my case, you know, and now I'm leading some teams or like leading initiatives and at work. And, you know, I feel like I'm working extra hard just to make sure that I don't you know, screw up. I feel like if I screw up, it's less, uh, it's, it's looked down more than if somebody right. else screwed up. Cause I'm the only black guy in my whole team, I mean, in my whole building, actually, you know, and there's made, there's two other black guys that work in the whole company. I think maybe three, and it's crazy. The rest is all white. They're just wasps, you know, white Anglo-Saxon, mm-hmm. Protestant, Catholic, something, you know. It's awesome. all just, perfect. Yeah, just like everybody. Yeah, you know, and it's this new money in Boulder. They drive, they drive Volvos and Teslas, and they're very materialistic, and it's such mm-hmm. a very cookie-cutter lifestyle. It's kind of crazy. You'd think that this new money that's coming in or people who claim to be very progressive in their ways, very liberal, boasting about it, that you'd think that they, when they go into a big city and they start investing money, that they would considerably put a portion of whatever they're making or whatever they're putting in to help alleviate a lot of the problems mm-hmm. um, of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. apparently isn't the case. Apparently they don't yep. care. 
And it drives me insane too, especially with things like that, where you have so much money in the West Coast. And the crazy thing is, man, Denver just kind of ships homeless people out to LA now sometimes because their problem is that it gets so freaking cold, you know? It, it's not even near how cold it gets in Michigan. But can you mm -hmm. imagine, just for example, being in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and homeless, you know? I what was can't it? even. You know, you and I last year were finishing up college, and you and I were in the middle of the Snowmageddon apocalypse, oh you know? Gosh. And you and I, and, uh, well, you know, you, me, and somebody else uh, got in the car and went and got margaritas. And the whole time I was driving, I was thinking, holy shit, can you imagine not having anywhere to go inside, mm -hmm. you know? Imagine, like, not having a bed to sleep in or being inside, oh, like, you... If you stay outside, you know, they told us not even to go outside for 15, 20 minutes because you'll get like frostbitten or yeah. hypothermia. And yeah. if you spend the night out there, you're dead. No you're, exposed skin, you know, you're done. Uh -huh. That's insane. Why? Oh, my gosh. That was, like, that was terrible. I think that I think that really was a big proponent of me coming out here. Like just like the, the misery of it and just like because I, I knew I was going to move out here to D.C., I was pretty strong held on that I was going to move out of Michigan, but that really, really drew the nail in the coffin. Cause I, cause there was one point and I remember it very distinctly. And whenever someone asked me like, why'd you move out of Michigan? Like, didn't you want to stay there? Because I got a lot of job offers when I was in Michigan to stay in. Oh yeah. And mm -hmm. like, it, it would have been a lot more comfortable. It would have been a lot easier, but I remember just staying in my car, like waiting for it to heat up and grabbing the steering wheel and just like literally feeling like I'm having a seizure. Cause it's so cold. Mm -hmm. Like my body, you know, just like shakes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. I was just like, I was like, there's, I don't have to be here. You know what I mean? I have a decision whether I can leave or not. And this, this is the final straw. I'm not doing this again. I'm not spending another winter here. Like this, this is it. Like I don't enjoy being here whatsoever. And mm -hmm. I, now that I'm done with college, I have a decision. And literally, I think it was what we graduated on the 27th of April. I think yeah. two weeks later I moved out. Yeah. I was I, I could have moved out faster. I think you you left sooner than that. You left yeah. like one week afterwards. Yeah, it was just a couple of days, and then I hopped in the car, packed everything I owned, which wasn't much, honestly, and drove yeah. out to Colorado and started my new job. And I think, yeah, I think you probably are the only person I've met that has hated Michigan and like just the coldness, the atmosphere of it all more than me. And I I don't know anybody else that hates it more than I do, but you definitely yeah. are. The only person i've met that you just, like loathe it to the core yeah i mean just the weather really killed me honestly and it's so interesting and you know you know kind of drawing back into that conversation we were having it's like and you know as much as we don't like it you know it's like there's so much of that there, like michigan's definitely like by all accounts a pretty racist state you know uh -huh. so much of that is crazy with um you know a lot of you get a lot of the quote-unquote hick culture where you know and especially where we went to school grand valley i mean there's so yeah. much of that an unbelievable amount big trucks camo hats and shirts and trump supporters and it was crazy you know they're trying to be like the south so much yeah so much trying it's, to be something yeah like that. it's the south and the north man especially in like battle creek or something like that you know um and that's me, it oh sorry it, it just doesn't make any sense because Michigan by itself and by its history is like a completely northern industrialized urban state. That's what it should be. You know, the major car centers of the world are from Michigan. The top three, GM, Ford, and Chrysler, they're all from Michigan. So it should be a city state. 
but there's so many people there that want to be southern and that want to be country like i mean don't get me wrong there's a lot of farmland in michigan too but i just feel like so many people try to be the south like when i see a confederate there's not a lot of things that just like instantly get me get me going like right away but if i see a confederate flag in michigan yeah i'm like you're you're an idiot i'm immediately going to dismiss you there's nothing that you can say that's not going to make me think that you're an idiot yeah. Um. Just by like, just by that one account, like, there's no logical sense. Like, oh, I had a family member that was in the Confederate. It's like, all right, well, then you can go buy a fucking house in Virginia, yeah. and then you can plant that flag there. Yeah. It's not here, because and, this state kicks mm-hmm. your family's ass. So. Yeah. And it's so crazy. I was, you know, I used to be in the weightlifting team, and we would go to parties, and a lot of those guys were real, real, you know, yee yee types, you know. You know, and I walked into the place for at the party. Of course, the only black guy once again, and the Confederate flag, big one, right on the wall. I'm like, "Yo, what's what's the deal with that?" And he's like, "It's like, well, it's kind of heritage. You know, my grandparents live in the South, so I keep it up here for them." I'm like, "How often do they visit you?" He's like, "Oh, never." I'm like, "So why is it in your living room?" Right. You know? Exactly. Just stuff like that, where it's like, are you just like baiting a racial debate, or are you trying to just like provoke something like? I can't imagine you're really gaining anything from having this giant symbol of racism to most people sitting in your living room. It doesn't, that's, yeah, that's, I I don't even know how, I could imagine how you reacted. If I walked in there and like, I saw a giant Confederate flag in some guy's house up there, I am, I'd just be like, um, who does, who do you know? Like, how are we, how did I get in the situation where I'm at your house? Right. Like, who do I know that's friends with you? And, you know, another thing that I thought was particularly crazy when you and I were in Michigan State having fun on that Halloween night and uh, we went to that uh-huh. Republican club party and oh, the guy man. walks out in blackface and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, that's extremely <laughs> racist, right? And he goes, right. well, we're yeah. celebrating your heritage. And I was like, oh, and then I immediately walked to the end of the driveway and waited. And then, then I think an, uh, another ba- uh, black guy came and you were like, yeah, don't go in there. Yep, yep. He he was going over. He's like, he's like, hey, is there a party happening here? I'm like, definitely not when you're gonna feel safe at. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, oh man, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think just for them, um, and this is what I see in. Uh, I don't know how I should. I really, really should be careful with saying this. With some of the people that I've met in the Republican Party, it seems like they really haven't had any exposure to non-white people. Mm-hmm. They haven't really had any exposure to minorities in general. Mm-hmm. So I think they get stuck in that ideal. They get stuck in the fact that they can pretty much say whatever they want. No one's going to get offended because they've only been around white people. And they don't understand. They don't hear the story and they don't like – they're not able to picture it because no one's put those words in their head. You know, with some people, they go up on, on their own and they learn that stuff um, with themselves. But when you're stuck, I guess, or when you're like in that lifestyle for so long, you don't even really think about it for a while. And if your parents reinforce it, which a lot of the older baby boomer 50s, 60s parents um, that are living in like places like Michigan and stuff, I keep that mentality and they keep – they keep it going, which I think is a, is a lot of the big problem with um, with the Republican Party in general. Um, but like I said, some of the people that I've met, not all, I'm not going to say everybody is, but some of the people I've met from the Republican Party um, are like that. And, and it just goes um, 
just hand in hand with the fact that if you're not really exposed to it and if, the, if, if an ideal comes in and it's repeated and you get gratif- either you get gratification from it with someone um, accepting it, no one's going to say anything. Like let's say you say, you say something like off color a little bit. No one says anything. In fact, someone reinforces it or someone gives you praise for it in, in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. You're going to repeat that because it's going to give you that same gratification. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to repeat it again and again. And then you're not even going to think about it for a while. And if that continues and if that gets stuck and if that behavior is not corrected, then you're going to find yourself in those kind of situations where you have a Confederate flag in your room and you're not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to prevent you from any implication. I, I also have seen some Democrats that I've met that, or people that identify as left-wing uh, as being like that as well, honestly. I mean, you know, it's so much of it is environmental, you know. People say you are a product of your circumstances and I totally agree. And you know, whether or not you identify as Republican or Democrat, you know, and you could argue various rates of occurrence between either, but we won't do that here. But, you know, you could totally say, like I've totally seen people that I know that identify as liberal people that still say, you know, racist stuff, you know, and uh, this happened, this happened at a job of mine actually, where someone was saying super just racist things and didn't even realize it. It's like, you grow up in, you know, mm-hmm. um, a mid area of Michigan where, you know, you see you have, you have a fairly good head on your shoulders, but you just don't understand social cues of some of the things that you say or you, impl- you know, it's like it's like asking like, like the, it's like asking, you know, a veteran if they've killed somebody, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like very in poor taste to ask some of those questions and you know, right. people will do it. But, uh-huh. um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, to kind of push on to our next conversation that I wanted to also talk about, we kind of touched on it too, is, you know, this, this idea of American consumerism, you know, we talked about it in the context of uh, advertisements and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think so much about it where it's like so much like, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, even so many holidays are so wrapped up in this idea of purchasing and owning things. And how do you feel about that? How do you feel about Christmas as kind of a commercial holiday more so than an idea of seeing your family? Um, it's a difficult one to answer because there's a lot of connotations that go with it. There, there goes the fact that when I was younger, I did see Christmas as like a big family thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was that time, though, that consumerism, I feel like, has been just on a crescendo. And so it wasn't as high as it was when I was younger. And now it's like getting to the peak, but there's also the point that like, I'm an adult. I don't find, you know, I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. I don't have that like kind of a family togetherness as much as I do. But in terms of what I see, I mean, it it really just looks like anything like a business. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that the ideals there, but like I said, with, with capitalism, I mean, like this really is what I see happening with america a lot that you get one really good ideal like whoever comes up with it like we have a lot of good minds in our country they come up with this really good ideal it sounds amazing and then we just we just drink the poison into excess i think that's probably one word that i would describe america would be either consumerism or just excess like they're not happy with like just the medium you know just just the the amount just to get by no it's i want to see how much is possible with this mm-hmm. because i want to get the most reward from this which is an ideal which you share i share a lot of other people share and i think from me meeting a lot of international people they do not share that whatsoever like people mm-hmm. i've since living in dc this is like the international like capital like everyone 
I've met so many people from so many different countries um, and they just don't have that kind of same mentality. It's really, really crazy. Or like they say their country doesn't because obviously they're coming here to America. They have to have some kind of like um, reliance with that fact. But in terms of like Christmas, it's just I see it as consumerism to its like almost max. Like that's like like the dial is like slowly, slowly turning from, you know, the beginning of the year. And then like by the time Christmas comes, it's just like fully on 11. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, um, you know, I uh, I definitely see that a lot, too. And it's kind of worrying. You know, you think about these kids brought up in this culture of, oh, hey, it's that time of the year, you know, free stuff, excitement. There was a study that was something like you know, a couple kids on the energy of just Christmas alone could power a city block or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's this in, insane, intoxicating effect almost that it puts on people, children, all of it, you know, the same way they do with fast food, with the incentivization of toys. You know, it's all just these gimmicks, you know, and that's you know, gross. And I think about people like Jeff Bezos, who are just astronomically wealthy. And I think a thing that a lot of people don't understand is that while he is technically a billionaire, he's not, he doesn't have a hundred billion dollars liquid. You know, he can't just give all of his money because then he'd lose his ownership of all of his companies. You know, he'd have to liquefy his assets to do that. But he definitely is sufficiently of the means to own 30 houses. I think he is also sufficiently of the means to build some houses for the areas he's ruined in Seattle. I mean, I visited my sister recently and that place is basically dilapidated, man. There's used- Seattle? Oh yeah, used needles on the sidewalks. Homeless people abound, man. Like shanty towns built out of scrap metal under bridges. You know, the fact that any area in the United States is like that, and those people aren't entitled to food, apparently. They aren't entitled to medical care, apparently. You know, you get people with these crazy mental illnesses, and, you know, on, you know, we're not the Spartans of, you know, ancient whatever. We don't murder people that have mental illness as children. You know, we, we take care of them as a society. That's a thing that the society has agreed upon. And whether or not people disagree with that, you know, load in somebody else who also agrees. But until then, I think there's an obligation for the enormously wealthy to help out with that. And people say that taxation is not the right way. And those people earned that money. And to a degree, I, I guess. But you look at Bill Gates, you know, you look at Jeff Bezos and like, what did Bill Gates do? He monopolized the PC industry, got himself into every major business's pockets and then destroyed the open source community for the better part of three decades. And, you know, personally, I hate the Windows operating system, honestly. And, you know, you think about a man like that. Now he's giving money back and now he's helping fight malaria and all this. And like, cool. You know, I'm cool with that. But the whole time he was getting there, he was actively exploiting and hurting people. And something that drives me crazy about that is the same thing with Jeff Bezos, you know, those those torture centers of fulfillment centers. And, you know, it's like some someone would argue, well, if those people wanted to get out, they could. And, you know, maybe they could. But what about the interim? What if I still need to make my rent payment? You know, I'm in a building with no windows and a giant screen that tells me my productivity at any moment. So it just psychologically either drains me or it boosts me, you know, to get more shit done. But at the end of the day, it's still just a very ex- exploitive practice to even do things like that. But it's all in the name of selling more stuff, getting stuff into consumers' pockets and nothing else. And it just drives me insane that, you know, sure, what if, a, what if, what if Jeff Bezos paid? What if Amazon paid their taxes, you know? What if Microsoft, what if Facebook, what if Google, what if Netflix 
What if any of these huge companies just paid their taxes? You know, they don't even pay taxes. What if even if Jeff, because I doubt Jeff pays taxes either, but even if Jeff Bezos doesn't pay his taxes, what if his company did? Think about all of the incentives that that would bring, you know, because that's a lot of that's going to Seattle. You know, a lot of that's going back to the state of Washington. And think about all of those problems that it could solve. I mean, I don't even know what the figure is off the top of my head, but I assume it's a pretty large number between Amazon, Facebook, Google, Netflix, Oculus, and all those other companies that are kind of hubbed in the Seattle area. You know, what if all those companies paid their taxes? Yeah, that'll be a whole lot different. And you know, uh, interesting fact is Seattle is uh, number three in terms of um, the homelessness population with, with I believe, 12,000. New York has about 78,000. Los Angeles has around 50. And then uh, D.C. is number five with about like seven to 10,000. So you which is which is a weird anomaly because Seattle is a big city, but. Um, you know, it's it's like not that big to where like the the homelessness population should be that significant. So I feel yeah. like in terms of per capita, Seattle's probably the biggest in terms of like the city with the least amount of population with the most amount of homeless people. You know, totally. And you know, LA that's another spot that's crazy. I could mm-hmm. never live there just for that reason, man. Besides the enormous cost, but man homelessness in LA is insane and the weather's never bad you know it gets hot but I can live through that you know so it's like those homeless people aren't going anywhere you know and you know you know as just a statement of fact naturally you know they're not dying of the exposure you know like they might in other areas you know the problem isn't going to go away you know you know like you know if you're homeless in Alaska you're not homeless for very long but if you're homeless in LA I mean, honestly, if you have a good regime going, you could be homeless your whole life and make it by, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, you really could. Mm-hmm. So much of that's really, really crazy. And um, yeah, and so, you know, um, you know, I know we're uh, kind of running on 40-ish minutes now, so I won't take too much more of your time, but I have one final question for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with... Um, you know, we talked about consumerism and, um, you know, kind of corporate America. Um, and I was curious if you had, um, if you could change one thing about society, broad, small, whatever, you know, especially with what you've seen, what, what do you think that that would be? It's a tough question. It's a very, very big question that, um, so my answer is probably going to be equally as broad. That's fine. Um, What's one thing that I would change about society? I mean, consumerism is a really, really big thing that I believe is hurting society. Um, I think instant gratification is probably the biggest thing. I think that's the biggest problem. I think that's the thing that can be rooted in a lot of problems. But I would say, yeah, it's like I said, it's going to be a very broad answer. But instant gratification, I think, is a huge thing to where the Internet has sped up, amazingly sped up the amount that you can receive information, that you can get gratification to a whole nother level. I mean, it's something that we as humans, our evolutionary track is not going to be on par with that. Like we're not progressing as fast as technology is. And I think that there's going to be some kind of a backlash towards that. I, I, I don't, 
I think I see that as like one of the biggest problems that we're not as humans, as like a species of being haven't evolved to that level of technology and like that much information in our brains. And I think that we really need to figure it out how to like balance that or it's going to be really, really bad. But there's a whole lot, there's a whole lot of other problems, but I really do see that as like one of the biggest, if not the biggest. What about yeah. you? It's, honestly, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, you see it with porn, you see it with drinking, you see it with drugs. It's everything, you know, porn. It's like, oh, I'm horny. Okay, done. You know, dr- drugs. Oh, man, I'm feeling anxious. Okay, solved. Drinking. Oh, man, you know, I need I need to have a good time. Done, you know. Oh, man, I right, want exactly. to know this thing. I want to figure this thing out, you know, which I think could be constructive. But, you know, still, it's just instantly being able to access all of those things. Tinder, you know, oh, I want a girlfriend. Done, you know? Boom. And- yeah, which is crazy because it, it used to – and there's so much – like I'm not gonna say love and care, but yeah, the, like love and care. There's time that goes into that, and like that's where you're gonna learn the biggest lessons. That's where you're gonna learn it. But once you get used to that, the fact that you can get it so quickly, then you're just that's how it is, and that's how you see it to be. Yeah. Um, there's no more like you know going out and like seeing. I was, I have friends right now who like are on Tinder all the time, twenty four seven, and like they don't want to go out and like talk to people or talk to a girl, but like. Yep. But the, it's becoming a rarity. Oh, it really, really yep. is, you know? Oh, 100%, man. So much of that is not wanting to interact unless you have to. And this takes exactly. away the, you know, and it's it's arguably a bit safer in some cases. But, you know, you go out and sometimes, like, even in my own experience, talking to girls, like, I go to a bar, you know, or if I've been to a bar or a party when I was in college, for example, you know, you go up and speak to a woman. And sometimes they're almost like, it's sometimes, sometimes you know, they, they're sometimes, you know, put off by it. Where it's like, oh, wow, you know, people I have not been hit on before, it seems like. And I'm like, hmm, it's just an interesting thing. You know, organic meeting is all is sometimes like something that people characterize as like uncommon now because there's so many opportunities for it. So many of it, yeah. And I'm, at this point, I've, I haven't used Tinder since I've been out here just because there's so many people. And just yep. based on the fact that like um, – it's there's no there's no need for it and it's just it just feels cheap it always felt like cheap like it felt like i was ordering parts from amazon or i was like at a factory and i never knew what to say too like i'm i'm way more i'm way better in person and you know we can have a whole separate podcast on just this top oh we will (laughs) um literally but to like you know sum it up shortly it's just like i'm not gonna like spit some crazy line like there has to be something i can say like i'm much better thinking on my feet i've always been better at thinking on my feet and just like the more that i think and overthink about it and i feel like those kind of apps really harness that bad energy from it absolutely but uh all right well hey i really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me today i'll let you know when i get this posted um, okay and to awesome uh, any any time you want me to i'm glad and just like come up with topics i'd love to be able to speak because i'm very like quiet and reserved to myself especially since being out here in dc where like i felt i i felt really like i was the craziest person in michigan like literally everyone else looked at me like oh my gosh i can't <laughs> go out you're gonna do this you're gonna do that which i was i mean 
I mean, you know, obviously you're around me the whole time. Like our whole friend group, like everyone always thought is me is like the, the crazy one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go out here and I'm not even close. I go out here and like everyone is, is pretty much like that. And I have become like quiet and reserved and like I've changed on that fact. And now I can see how like people were annoyed at me back then because I'm looking at some of these people out here and I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to settle down. Like you need to just chill out, have a breather. We don't have to go out every single night. You don't have to just like talk to everybody, like chill. Yeah. So like my energy is like slowly being drained because of that. Oh, um, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, man, just let me know when the next one is. I'd be happy to do it. Sweet. All right. Well, hey, thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. See ya. Bye.